On today's episode of Secrets to Scaling Your E-Commerce Brand, I got a chance to sit down with Tance Hughes from Southern Designs, and we chatted all about manufacturing. We talked about vertically integrating and why he really believes in vertical integration. Uh, loved his answer to his secrets to scaling, and I think it's very much aligned uh, with uh, the secret that I have to scaling as well. And just in an awesome conversation, you guys are really going to want to pay attention to this one. Hey, guys. Before we begin, I want to talk to you about how to grow your e-commerce brand in a post-iOS 14.5 world. If you're doing over seven figures in D to C, you need to hear this. Back when Facebook ads were absolutely crushing it and driving massive amounts of revenue, setting up basic flows and sending out occasional email campaigns used to cut it, SMS marketing included, you'd see it constantly and so would we when we were looking at accounts at Mindful Marketing. Brands earning 20 to 45% of their total revenue with email marketing with maybe three to four hours of work a month and that's because they just set up some basic flows and then silence but now that the facebook algorithm has stopped spitting out such ridiculous returns where do we go retention but it requires marketers to go deeper than simple templated flows and copy and pasted campaigns which we've seen all the time it requires actually having a system that increases the ltv of your customers and then actually realizing that entire customer lifetime value in a shorter period of time and hopefully even searing a higher LTV. We're saddened to see brands do all the same things with their emails and SMS, and we're sick of auditing agency accounts who simply set up welcome flows and show off how many sales they make. Anyone can set up a welcome flow, abandoned cart flow, etc. That is the simple stuff, guys. The real key in retention marketing is digging deep into your market, copy, offer, your creative, and then pairing that with a strategy that turns one-time buyers into two-time buyers, into three-time buyers, and on and on, just like we've seen at our brands. So if you want to find out exactly how deep our retention marketing strategy goes, book a quick wins call with our team and we will show you exactly how we drive more repeat sales for our clients and hopefully how you can too. Go to mindfulmarketing.co slash quickwins. That's mindfulmarketing.co slash quickwins, all one word. Now on to today's episode. This episode of Secrets to Scaling Your E-Commerce Brand is brought to you by my favorite SMS platform in the world, PostScript. They are the leading SMS vendor for growing Shopify and Shopify Plus brands. They are loved by companies like Olipop, Kopari, Brooklinen, and 6,000 more, including all of my brands. Get a free 30-day trial of PostScript at postscript.io slash install. And sure, they're a sponsor, but seriously, I absolutely love these guys. One of the biggest issues that I had was sending SMS messages to multiple countries, and I wanted to send them all at the same time. But the issue was some of the other providers out there won't allow you to send to multiple countries at the same time. And that was causing our marketing teams massive headaches. Postscript solves that problem, as well as their pricing is just upfront. You can see exactly what you are going to pay every single month, and you can cap it for your marketing managers so they know how much you actually want to spend on your SMS marketing. It's an incredible tool, and I highly recommend it. Again, go to postscript.io install, and please tell them that Jordan West sent you. 
Hey guys, Jordan West back with another episode of Secrets to Scaling Your E-Commerce Brand. I am very, very excited about uh, today's episode, like most episodes that go well, and I hope that's all the ones that we uh, <laughs> that we actually put out there. This one is going to be um, selfishly me asking a lot of questions uh, for myself and hoping that I am my own perfect avatar for who listens to this, and you guys will get a ton out of this one. So uh, without further ado, uh, I have Tance Hughes from Southern Designs. Tance, welcome to Secrets to Scaling Your E-Commerce Brand. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So for people who know uh, nothing about you, tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. Yeah, so um, I actually started my company here, Southern Designs, when I was 17 years old. I started in screen printing and pivoted about five years into it, into laser cut manufacturing of metal wall art and signs and have grown into other product lines. And so today I'm 31. So we're about 13 and a half years into this thing now. And yeah, I mean, we're, we're trucking along. We're here in Louisiana. We do all of our own manufacturing here, marketing, sales, fulfillment. We're very lean and uh, vertically integrated. And I just love, I love uh, what, what I do here in my small community. You know, we're not in a, we're not in a hotbed of e-commerce, D2C, you know, companies and things like that, but it's really fun because we are kind of creating jobs here in our community where it's uh, economically not as strong <laughs> as yeah. other areas. It's pretty rural and, and somewhat poor. So that's kind of another unique thing about us, but it's fun. You know, we're making an impact here and, you know, we, we love what we do and we're, we're chugging along. That's awesome. Awesome. I, I love hearing about that. It's interesting. We actually haven't really talked much about that on this podcast before, but what that portion of impact actually looks like and and how, I don't know, how fulfilling that can feel knowing that you're providing jobs, especially in an area. I mean, really, really any place that you're providing jobs is helping the economy in so many different trickle down sort of ways. So that's that's super cool that you brought that up in your intro. Yeah, man, we, we like it. You know, I grew up here, so I mean, it's easier for me to be here. It can be hard for us to, you know, attract talent from out of town. Like I said, in my area, we have, I live in a town of like 4,000 people. And in the area, there's, you know, 30, 40,000 people within like a 20 mile radius or something. So it's not overly populated, but we're, you know, kind of just taking people from here and opening their eyes to the, to the world of e-commerce and kind of what's outside of this community, you know, because it is harder for us to attract people to come here, but that kind of works out good because we're picking people up and, and exposing them to things that they're not used to seeing as much of. Yeah, that's super cool. Let's talk about uh, your, your product. First of all, talk to me about how you got into this from screen printing. Was this just an accident or did you see some kind of need that needed to be fulfilled? Or like, you know, some people that I've, I've seen before, they buy a laser cutter for a specific instance and then realize like, oh, I can make cool stuff with this. What was your story with that tent? Yeah. So I was in screen printing, uh, like I said, started that in 2008 and was chugging along for about five years there, 2013. Um, you know, we were growing, growing slow and steady, but it was good. And I would, you know, always making custom designs for people for t-shirts and, and whatnot, but I always knew I wanted to get into e-commerce and do something outside of my region simply because it's such a small market here locally. Right. So I could screen print t-shirts and be a local service provider, but there's only so many opportunities for business around here before I've kind of I guess, saturated the market, um, which yeah. is kind of where we were getting about five years into that. So I knew I wanted to get into e-commerce and do some product sales online. I'd been dabbling with Facebook ads back in the day when they kind of first came out there in 2012, 2013. And my brother actually came home from college and he is a fabricator welder type and he wanted to start his own business. And so he bought a CNC plasma table and a powder coating booth and all this. And uh, I, I had kind of dove off into some digital printing for like business signage, just 
regular signs you put up on a building with the business name or something. Yeah, yeah. And I said, hey, why don't we take the personalization aspect? People love to see their name on signs and decor and things like that. And you cut them out on the table and powder coat them. And I'll set up the website and start selling online and kind of see how this goes and see if we can create a product line and, you know, kind of kickstart his business as well. And man, within a year, that product line was already doing as much revenue as our screen printing business. And it was growing just exponentially. And so we realized that that was where the opportunity was, kind of the blue ocean, if you will. And so we decided to actually sell all of the screen printing equipment, get out of that space completely and put everything we had into growing this e-commerce brand, which was just taking off. Wow. Wow. That's, that's amazing. And what a pivot to make, right? When like, I'm sure your livelihood was tied to that screen printing business. <laughs> yeah. You know, it was, it was a little, a little bit scary. I mean, I was pretty confident that it was going to work because the data, I mean, the data showed that, you know, we were on the right track, but that being said, it was still a big step to take because like you said, it was our livelihood. It was how we paid bills. We had a good little established, you know, business, but I knew we wanted to do more. And so it was a risk I was willing to take. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, you know, a lot of people's journey would then take them to going and finding a manufacturer, right? Okay, sweet. You've got a great product. It looks like people want to buy it. Let's scale. Let's go over to China. Let's outsource all of our manufacturing. You guys did things a little bit differently. Talk to me about that thought process and, and how you guys are approaching that a little differently. Yeah. So, you know, the bulk of what we produce is personalized one-off products that are made on demand, similar to a print on demand model. They are made on demand as you personalize with your custom text or something. And so the nature of taking data like that, putting it into an individual design, creating a, a cut file for a laser, nesting it on material and all of that, it's something that has a lot of steps to it. It's a little bit specialized. It's not like just going and finding somebody to screen print t-shirts or cups or whatever, but it's a little bit more specialized. And and secondly, there wasn't really anybody out there doing what we were doing on a large scale when we started. I mean, we didn't invent the personalized metal sign, right? But we kind of scaled it early on. There wasn't really anybody established in doing it at scale. So we knew that we just needed to invest in the equipment ourselves and own the market and own the manufacturing as well, because we weren't going to get as good of an experience or product from anybody else, simply because there wasn't anybody out there that was capable of doing what we needed to do at scale, or at least that we knew of. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, so we just kind of kept digging in and investing in equipment, but also we're, we're located in an area where it's fairly cost effective to operate you know, real estate's cheap. The cost of labor's uh, fairly affordable. So it made strategic sense to, to make it here as well. Yeah, absolutely. That totally makes sense to me. So you obviously had, you know, those small beginnings when you switched from screen printing over to your cutting. When did you decide to start scaling? At what point did you know, like, okay, this is going to be something? Well, I knew it was going to be something when I made the decision to, you know, sell the screen printing equipment. We, our, our sales kept growing every day and it was becoming something that was taking up more and more of our time, right? And we knew that the screen printing business was going to suffer because we knew we were going to pour into this because it was what was growing and it was profitable and everything. Yeah, yeah. And it's a good thing that we made that choice because I sold my screen printing equipment in the fall of 2015, like November, and uh, the year of 2016, our revenues quadrupled. So wow. we definitely did it at the right time. Yeah. So when, when you started, because you were talking about 2013-ish, what platform were you guys on at that point? I actually started on Volusion. Are you familiar with that? 
No, no. Are, are they even around anymore? I've I've heard of them, but I they must have got bought I, up by somebody or something. I don't know. They were they didn't they failed to innovate, in my opinion. So apologies for anybody who might have worked there or still does if they're open. But <laughs> I don't even hear anything about them anymore. But they just failed to innovate and update their platform for so long. Um, but we actually started on Volusion back in 2014, and then we switched to Shopify in maybe 17. I think 2017. Yeah, yeah. And I think in 2017, it was kind of already becoming the obvious choice, right? I think it was yeah. kind of between Woo- WooCommerce, if you were a WordPress person, and you wanted a little bit more control and Shopify at that point. Right. Tance, talk to me about what is working. You know, we're in Q1 right now of 2022. What is working? You know, we've, we've been through, you know, 2021 was a very interesting year for e-commerce, right? I, I think the vast majority of people saw CPAs grow 40% on new customers. At least there's so much data out there now that's that's coming in that's really showing the, the massive effects of what happened in 2021. And I, I don't think it was just iOS 14.5. I think there was lots of different things going on. Talk to me about for you guys. Guys, what is working in your marketing strategy right now? Yeah, so like full transparency. I'm always honest about things, right? I don't I don't try to really sugarcoat anything. 2021 was the hardest year of business since I've started. Mm. And I won't sit here and say that we've got things figured out because we have lots of things to continue to address after the way 2021 went, right? So iOS 14.5 was a big one, but the cost of steel quadrupled on us, almost quadrupled on us last year, which really, really hurt us. And then on top of that, you know, so your CPA went up 400%. No, no, I'm sorry. My cost of materials for steel for manufacturing. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I didn't think about that. <laughs> so, so that combined with yes, CPAs doubling. Yeah. It was an, an unsustainable combination. So we've actually been reinventing and reimagining our company over the past three or four months because we've been forced to, right? I mean, we stabilized somewhat on Facebook ads, but we're not back to where we were before all of that stuff happened. So for us, we've been focusing more on uh, actually leveraging our manufacturing services through the print on demand model with a couple of, of apps that we work with now. Cool, cool. There's a lot of good marketers out there, way better than me. I'm not the best marketer by any means. And so we're kind of partnering up with some marketers to offer manufacturing and fulfillment services on the back end of, of what they're doing. And that's what's kind of helping us. And then, you know, we're exploring, you know, TikTok ads like a lot of other people are right now for our direct sales. And then also um, in the process of, you know, learning more about Amazon. We've never been on Amazon. We've never sold through that channel because I love to own the customer list, right? Yeah. Yeah. But at this point, Amazon's become more attractive for us. I don't know how other people out there might feel, but we're giving it a shot and we're seeing some uh, initial success with it. So we're just regrouping on everything. Yeah, it's it's Tans, It's so interesting how you how you say that, especially with I love that. First of all, I just want to pick apart a little bit of uh, in a good way <laughs> of, of what you were saying. So number one, you guys. It sounds like you looked at your core competency and your core competency is manufacturing, right? That seems to be one of your core competencies. And so you so you realize, oh man, this is one more way. And, and when your back's against the wall, it's like, okay, how are we going to solve this? What else can we do to generate revenue? So I loved that idea. What a great idea. And then uh, looking at, you know, CPAs rising like that uh, really forces you to think, 
are there any other places that we can sell this? Whereas before, the calculation to me did not make sense to go on Amazon. It made no yeah. sense. It was like, well, hey, if our marketing budget is, you know, in the companies that we own, because I can speak to those, our MER, our, you know, cost of advertising versus, you know, what we're getting out of it is generally in the 13 to 15% range, right? So why in the world would I go to Amazon where, you know, with FBA, I'm going to be paying between 20 and 25% and not even own the customer. Whereas now it's like, oh, no, the Amazon equation makes a lot of sense to me. <laughs> Yeah, no, I hear you. I, I feel the same way. That's why we've, you know, opened up to it. And, you know, we'll see how it goes. But so far, um, there's definitely some interesting ways to to grow business there. So that's what we're f- focusing on. And then the other thing I failed to mention, actually, and I don't know, this might be a little bit unique to us. I'm not sure. But I actually own uh, three direct consumer brands, but they're all in the gift and decor space. So I have my metal sign brand. I also have a decorative maps brand called Cut Maps. And cool. then I have a uh, peel and stick wallpaper brand along with other digital printed products called Carter and Maine, but they're all in the gift and decor space, personalized gifts, things like that. And we are actually think about to embark on an initiative to bring them all under one website. And instead of having brand specific websites that are niched down, we want to go a little bit broader and kind of create a space for all things, personalized gifts and decor and sell all of our brands under that so that we can leverage customer data to increase you know, LTV, giving them more options, things to buy and kind of cross promote and segment our list where previously we've been really focused on building the individual brands. But I think now more than ever with CPAs rising, as you alluded to, we're trying to combat that with uh, higher LTVs. So you know, we have a pretty significant customer list across all three brands and we're, we're gonna consolidate that I think and, and try to try to go a little bit broader. I mean, we don't want to be, you know, we're not trying to go too broad where we're trying to be everything to everybody, but we think we can really like hone in on the personalized gift and decor space and try to carve out a corner there, you know? Tance, I I think that you're totally taking the right step. If I was coaching you, which I'm not, I mean, you're, (laughs) you don't need me to coach you, but I would say that is totally the right move to go to. We actually had to make that decision, I think it was last year uh, with one of our companies that we had four separate brands. Uh, At the time we had three separate brands. We did that same thing and it has only worked out in our favor as far as our, uh, with with the rising CPAs, right? And we didn't even really realize that this was going to happen, um, but what a great move it was for us. And so the average order value is really what we've seen has saved us in this difficult time. So I think you're totally making the right move. And I, I hope you guys who are listening right now are potentially thinking about some of the ramifications of why this is such a good move. But I'm, I think that's a great move. Awesome. Well, I'm glad to hear you validate that. Uh, <laughs> I, I think you're being honest with me. I don't think you would just say that to save face. But uh, yeah, we, we think it's the right thing to do. Uh, you know, it's just it's we're being forced to adapt, right? After 2021, I mean, that was your question. And these are the things we're doing to adapt, you know? It was funny before iOS 14.5, I felt like we could all just be so lazy, right? It was just like, you could just throw it up there. You'd be getting sales. You're like, oh, what do I care if my CPA is $23 versus $20? It's all good. And now it's like, oh man, we have got to adapt. We have got to figure this out and right the ship. And (laughs) the great news is that like, we're guys, everyone listening to that, to, to this, we're all in this together right now. You know, like you might've solved a couple problems, but we're all in this together in adapting. So I hope that that brings you guys a little bit of solace. Tans, let's go back to TikTok for a sec because I'm super interested in what's going on on TikTok. Are you seeing any meaningful results on platform on TikTok? 
It's been hit and miss for us. We've had some wins and we've had some losses. One of the challenging things with TikTok is that creative fatigue happens so quickly. Mm. You have to constantly be pushing out new creative and new content on that platform. And um, it feels more like a, and this is just me speaking, okay, but it feels more like a, a little bit of gambling to me right now. Like if you hit something and it catches, it scales and grows really quick and you win big and then it dies out. And then there's a lot of other small losses that you endure throughout. Now that could maybe be set up content anywhere, but with TikTok, I just feel like it's amplified because the life cycle of content on there is so short. Mm. So we, we've definitely had some, um, you know, some wins on there for sure. We are surprised that so far, some of our best wins are more around UGC and uh, customer reviews than us trying to get on camera. Like we don't really try to dance and apply trends as much. I mean, we apply some of the trends like TikTok made me buy it. That's one. And, and there's some others, but we've run ads with just straight customer reviews, maybe some text, I mean, some uh, voiceover. Yeah. And that's worked decently for us. And we're like, hey, you know, we can't just copy the Facebook model, but there's still something to be said for people. Like users on TikTok expect to see ads right now. They're, they're used to it now. So it's, it's okay. But And are yeah, these I reviews, mean, Tense, are, they, are these reviews like you're t- like typing it out or you're using like the robot voice to do the review or are these like face to camera reviews? We've mostly done like screenshots from our website. So oh, cool. a customer cool. typed it out and had a photo of them holding it. And we will just cycle through a couple of images. We have done the robot voiceover before. I didn't see the needle move on that. I know a lot of yeah. people like that strategy. So far for us, that hasn't really done anything, but just simply screenshots of customer reviews, just cycling through them pretty quickly. Cool. Cool. I love that idea. That's great. Are you using any third-party validation platform for attribution on this or are you just using on-platform attribution? Yeah, I use Wicked Reports as well. Oh, okay. But yeah. TikTok Ads Manager seems to have pretty good attribution. We're, we're pretty happy with their attribution, much more so than Facebook's uh, attribution. Yeah, yeah. So one, uh, the reason I, I bring this up is I, I had a previous guest and I don't know what episode number it's going to be, but it was Chad from Dorsal. And uh, he was talking about the success that they've had on TikTok ads. And he said on platform, he was getting a 0.1 return on ad spend. But with using triple whale and the triple pixel, he was actually seeing a two return on ad spend. Wow. So I definitely haven't seen a spread like that between TikTok and Wicked, but I'm very interested. So I actually was on Triple Whale literally yesterday considering trying it out. So I'm intrigued now that I've heard that from you. I'm going to have to go back and check it out. I hope you get like a commission or something. <laughs> well, I, actually, interestingly, I don't, I never take affiliate <laughs> sales, but interestingly, they are actually one of our sponsors, I believe in March. So it may actually even be when this episode That's is sweet. out. So, <laughs> so uh, they're letting me test out the platform starting this Friday. So I'll have a lot of stuff uh, coming back to you guys about that. And it's super cool that they've decided to sponsor. So amazing. Yeah. I can't wait to dig in. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I'll, I'll see if I can uh, get you guys all uh, a good coupon code to try it out so i've I've only heard good things and from a lot of people that i respect so tansa i cannot believe we're already uh we're already this deep into the conversation i gotta ask you the question i ask everybody what is your secret to scaling (laughs) good people we can get all fancy tips tricks do all these little you know things but i believe in people People are at the core of what we do, right? Whether it's a customer yeah. or a coworker, I don't like to call them employees, I like to call them coworkers. A coworker, an investor, your own family, where who your job you know affects your own family. 
whatever it is, good people are at the core of, of everything for me. And people like, I want to work with good people. If I, you know, money doesn't solely motivate me. I'm definitely motivated by money, but that's not the core motivator for me. And so I just like to really work with people who are good, whose values align with mine. And when I do that, I, the success comes naturally out of that. Totally. It's like uh, when you align your values with other people around you, it's like getting into a river, right? And you're just going down the river rather than trying to like swim upstream. 100%. Tense. Awesome. I got three more questions for you. I I hope that you're ready. Yeah. Awesome. What is your favorite tool or app you're using right now? So this can be a hard one to answer, but I'm going to go with Helium 10 right now. As I said, I'm in the Amazon game right now, really trying to dig in. And I've been using Helium 10 for a lot of research and and whatnot. And it's been super valuable for us. We really, really like that tool. It's helping us navigate the Amazon waters very quickly and efficiently. Sweet. Tans, I, I feel like we're on the same page right now. So we're we're heading in with all of our companies right now, heading towards uh, the waters of Amazon and uh, Helium 10 is who we have chosen as well. So guys, this is not going to be turning into a, an Amazon podcast, unfortunately, but I definitely <laughs> recommend checking that tool out. Holy cow. It is so yeah. incredibly powerful. And I wish I had tools like that for regular Shopify D2C because it's just incredible. <laughs> yeah. And I can give like outside of Amazon tool, uh, <laughs> tool, uh, uh, recommendation if I need to. I don't want to go to Amazon either. <laughs> oh, no, I love it. I love it. And I think that if uh, our listeners are anything like myself and the you know members of my mastermind and all these people, we're all headed that direction right now. I don't gotcha. know somebody who's not looking at third-party marketplaces in 2022. So I think it's super helpful. Tansa, next question for you. Favorite podcast or audiobook that you're listening to right now? Okay. So I'm really bad at reading and I do generally move to podcasts or audiobooks because I'll just quit the book and never finish it. Yeah. I'm listening to a podcast series called The Land of Giants. Have you heard that one before? No, no, I haven't. It's a podcast about like just some of these largest companies and how they've gotten to where they are. Netflix, Amazon, you know, whoever. Um, it's it's really cool. I mean, I won't waste a lot of any time talking about it, but there's uh, maybe four seasons now. It's it's really cool. It's an inside look at how these companies operate and how they've gotten to where they are. Cool, cool. That's awesome. I will definitely check that one out and we'll make sure to put that in the show notes. Last question for you. This one sometimes can be a, a stumper, but uh, if you had an hour, you can have some coffee, tea, beer, wine. You can talk to anybody in the world. They have to be alive. Who would it be? <laughs> This is going to be somebody that maybe not everybody is familiar with. Actually, his name is Jeff Walker. He wrote a book that I absolutely love. It's called Launch. I utilized his strategies in his book whenever I launched Metal Unlimited back in 2014. And I would just love to continue to pick his brain and chat with him about launch strategies because I'm getting ready to implement that strategy when I consolidate my brands into one unified marketplace, more retail type site. And so right now that's who I would want to talk to because that's what's on my mind. Awesome. Awesome. I definitely know. I mean, I'm sure the all the marketing nerds that are listening right now definitely know Jeff Walker and his, what is it, like 21 day launch formula or like... Yeah, the launch formula, the launch book and all. I mean, there's things, you know, like no offense, like there's things in there that, you know, I either didn't apply or don't agree with or what have you. But in general, the core principles of it are, I mean, they worked for me. I, I loved it. 
Oh, I, I've only ever heard good things about Jeff Walker stuff. So yeah, that's uh, that's awesome. Good. And if, if you've never been targeted by Jeff Walker, uh, you obviously aren't a real marketer because <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I've probably seen his ads like a thousand times over uh, the last five years. So <laughs> Tance, this was so great. Thank you so much. Where can people find out more about you and connect with you uh, and also your companies? I love to connect on LinkedIn. So just look me up on LinkedIn. Tance Hughes is my name. And uh, my company website is southerndesigns.net right now. That's what tells about our companies and our brands. I'm not the best at personal branding, so I don't have like a fancy blog. I do own my own domain name, but I don't really utilize it. Um, So yeah, find me on LinkedIn. I I love LinkedIn. Cool, cool. Yeah, I don't think it'll be too hard to to find you. I mean, I don't know a lot of Tances out there, so... Thank you again so much for your time. This was a great conversation. I think people are going to get a lot out of this one. Thanks so much, Jordan. Hey guys, we hope you really enjoyed today's episode. Can we ask you a favor? Hit subscribe so that you never miss an episode and share this with your e-commerce store owner friends. We also love reviews. So if you could leave us one on Apple Podcasts, that would mean so much to us. Just a reminder from the beginning of the episode, our team at Mindful Marketing is rapidly growing and we have room for one new brand a month that's looking to grow. Now, before you apply, please note that we're only looking for businesses that are ready to scale and have the capacity and the inventory for a large influx of orders. This opportunity is only available to brands that have had at least one year of sales history and are ready for explosive growth. If this sounds like you, go to mindfulmarketing.co slash apply and start the process today. I hope you guys have a great week.